It's a Twitter Tuesday here on the Locked on Giants podcast. Your questions coming up next. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena. Happy to have you with us. And thank you so much for making the Locked On Giants podcast your first listen to of the day. And today's show is brought to you in part by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. RockAuto.com. Tell them Locked On sent you. All right, Giant fans, on today's show, we've got a very small but still important reader mailbag. It is a Twitter Tuesday. We have questions via Twitter and, of course, questions via the email address. And if you want to get in on the weekly mailbag, you know what to do. Send that email to us at Podcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet me at Patricia underscore Traina. Make sure you tag it Ask P Train. That's in the show notes uh, below. You can also see my Twitter handle in the uh, little bug below. And uh, make sure you get those questions in. And I will do everything I can to get all your questions covered every time we do a mailbag. So appreciate those of you who sent questions in. And let's go right in to what we have. We have, a, as I said, a small amount of questions this week. And let's kick it off with our first Twitter question. And this comes from at JJJ2121, who wants to know, how good has Daniel Jones been this year? I feel our record is hiding how great he has been outside of the fumble versus Denver. He has been incredible. Great question, Triple J. And I think you're on to something here. Daniel Jones has been solid. Now, has he been um, elite? No, there's still been a few throws that he's missed, a few mistakes that he's made. But a couple of the things I wanted to see Daniel Jones improve in, which I believe he has improved in. Number one, I didn't want to see mistakes being made, such as you know him misreading the coverage and throwing into those tight windows where there was just nothing there. I don't think we've seen a whole lot of that, to be honest with you, and that's encouraging. And number two, and perhaps more, most importantly, the, I didn't want to see Daniel Jones continuing to, as they call it, burp the baby, which basically means he would drop back, pat that ball over and over and over while he's looking for an open receiver. Didn't want to see that. I wanted to see a guy who would drop back, make his read, scan the field, and boom, get that ball out of his hands. And I put a statistic up on Giants Country. I don't remember the exact numbers, but the article is under um, the stats that that I did on uh, Monday's article, but I think that I think Jones has had something like two points, two point seven or two point eight seconds to throw the football from his offensive line's protection, and he's been getting the ball out of his hand. I think a little over two point five seconds. So that means he's not taking the full two point seven, two point eight, whatever it is to make decisions and throw the ball. And that to me is a big, big improvement. And again, you can find that stat on Giants Country. I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to check it out, the specific article. 
Okay, so so yeah, Daniel Jones, you know, Sunday against the Saints, the best game of his career. Um, the arrow is definitely pointing up for Daniel Jones and, um, you know, good for him. The kids worked at it. Um, the coaching staff has worked to try and find things that, you know, fit what he does, fit what this offense does. And uh, let's just hope that what we saw on Sunday against the Saints isn't just a one and done type of deal, because that would kind of, you know, that would be very good. Okay, I think this next question comes from Jack B. I hope that's right. I forgot to label this. I apologize if it's not Jack B. Jack, I know I've got a question from you in here. So if this isn't it, then I know it's one of these other ones. But anyway, um, the question is, what's the deal with the pass rush? There's little to no edge presence, which is putting a ton of pressure on the secondary. Okay, I think you have that backwards, actually. First of all, I do agree that there is little to no edge uh, pressure, but I don't think that's on the edge rushers per se. I think a big part of that problem is on the defensive secondary. And it's interesting you asked me that question because I asked James Bradbury that very same question on Monday during the conference call with the players. And I asked Bradbury, I said, what do you guys need to do in the secondary to help that pass rush up front? And even Bradbury, when in his response to me, said, hmm, good question. So he talked about executing and stuff. And so I followed up and I said, well, what about holding the coverage longer, you know, taking sharper angles and so on and so forth. And Bradbury basically said, yeah, all that. So, you know, I think part of the problem has been the scheme. And by that, I mean... When you have the defensive backs playing six or six or more yards off of a receiver, kind of hard to hold the coverage. You want to get those guys up closer. You want to get them into man-to-man coverage, and you want to take away those options so that the quarterback doesn't have them down the field. And the longer you make the quarterback hold the ball, the better your chance of there being pressure. Now, also interesting I I looked up, uh, again, for the same article I mentioned before, um, for statistics. According to NextGen stats, Leonard Williams had the quickest time to the quarterback on the pass rush. And a guy like Austin Johnson, who plays on the defensive line, had one of the slowest times to get to the quarterback, which I found interesting. So another thing, just, you know, if we're trying to be fair with this uh, analysis of the pass rush, the guys up front got to get off their blocks. They've got to take up blocks and they've got to create congestion to where stuff funnels in. The offensive line funnels in and creates open gaps for those edge rushers to shoot those gaps. The other thing, the edge rushers got to get off their blocks. You know, Lorenzo Carter, once in a while, has been getting able to get off his blocks. O'Shane Zimenez in limited snap counts, he's had some struggles with that. You know, if it were me, I would try Carter Coughlin. I would see what Carter Coughlin brought to the table. I know they've moved him back to uh, inside linebacker predominantly, but, you know, last year he wasn't too bad. I think he had 11 pass rush pressures, I I want to say in 90 pass rush opportunities. So um, that would be something I would try if I want to try and uncork that, that pass rush. But yeah, it's a combination of things. It's not just the edge rushers not getting, getting home. It's a combination, like I said, of the defensive backfield, the cornerbacks in particular. Um, the scheme is playing a little bit into it. Uh, the guys up front are playing into it a little bit. And then, of course, we've got to give credit to the opposing team's offensive line because they get paid too. So 
But yeah, hopefully soon the Giants will start to get the cluster of sacks that they are missing. So thank you for that question. And again, if it's not Jack, it was Dave P who submitted it. It's one of you two that submitted it. So thank you for that question. All right, Giant fans, before we continue on with the show today, Bet Online has all the latest news, odds, info, and sign-up bonuses for all your sporting needs. You can find them on your laptop or mobile device by heading over to betonline.ag. And when you open an account and use our special promo code NFL100, you'll get a 100% welcome bonus on your initial deposit. Again, that's code NFL100 for your 100% welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, welcome back, Giant fans, to a Twitter Tuesday here on the Locked on Giants podcast. We have a small mailbag this week, total of six questions. Guys and gals, get those questions into me. You know, I look forward to them. This is one of my favorite shows of the week. And, you know, I guess everybody's out celebrating still the the Giants' big win. But we do have... uh, about four more questions. We'll get to them starting now. And by the way, that question uh, that I wasn't sure who it was from the last the uh, last segment, that was from Jack. All right. So let's go continue on. This one comes from Dave P who writes, we've been here before. Giants win a game. Judges, Greg Garrett is the best OC. Dave G knows what he's doing. Why should I believe this is any different than past years? Okay. Good question. Why should you believe that uh, this is different. And you know what? I have to think about that for a moment because you're right. It's a question of fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. I don't have an answer for you, believe it or not, um, because I kind of share your your feelings on this. The Giants, you know, had a a big win against the Saints, um, but I need to see them stack it. I need to see, you know, I need to see competitiveness. So even if they go next week and they lose to the Cowboys, if I see football similar to what they played the first three weeks, then I'll know that the week four win against New Orleans was kind of a, you know, it was a fluke. You want to see progress. You want to see them get better and better each week. You don't want to see them stuck in the mud. So... I guess the long answer is, is you want to see the improvement. You want to see them continue some of what they did last week into next week against Dallas. And if you start seeing things like, you know, um, the offensive line committing penalties or, um, you know, the number of penalties jumping up from three to, to double digits or Daniel Jones making mistakes or, you know, receivers dropping balls or whatever. That's when you know that something didn't go right, um, that they're going backwards. So I'm with you. I think, you know, you proceed cautiously with getting your hopes up with this team because, uh, look, they gave us something to feel good about, to talk about this week that's positive. But I think we need to proceed with caution. So I'm totally, totally with you on that. Dave, and uh, that's a really good question. I really had to had think that one through there because I wasn't quite sure how to address that. So, all right. Up next, we have a question from Andrew G. 
who actually wrote me a very nice email um, mentioning that his wife has started listening to the show and has become a fan. And I appreciate the the nice words that you sent to me, Andrew. I'm always glad to hear from uh, from from the listeners. You know, um, always appreciate the feedback, good or bad, as to how we can make the show more enjoyable, more tolerable for you. So thank you for those kind words, and please thank your wife for um, for tuning in and listening to me. That means a lot. Okay, so your question uh, was, um, do you think Freddie Kitchens will be that much better if he takes over for Jason Garrett? Mm. I don't know. And I say that because I don't want to go by what Freddie did in Cleveland because he had different personnel there. So every coordinator is kind of different. Now that said, if I'm the Giants, I would be a little reluctant to make a change right now. And not just because they're coming off of a win against New Orleans, but I would make I would be reluctant because Daniel Jones right now is settled into this offense. And he and Jason Garrett, whether we want to admit it or not, they've been working really well together. So that said, I don't think Joe Judge will make a switch to Freddie Kitchens, but if he were to do so, truth be told, I mean, we just have the one game tape from last year, and technically we don't even have that because all 22 is all messed up and we can't get our hands on that, which is not very good. But anyway, we just have that one game tape. So to have to go back and I'd have to look up to see what Freddie did differently than Jason, um, I don't think it was that much different. I think the only main difference at the time was Freddie was executing a few more or attempting, I should say, a few more uh, down down the field uh, throws than we normally saw from Jason. But then again, the personnel was different. You know, this year they have a lot more speed and guys capable of running that deep, you know, those vertical concepts. They didn't really have that last year. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I think it's hard to say for sure that Freddie would be an upgrade and if I'm the Giants again, that would be my last resort because again, Jason Garrett, Garrett and Daniel Jones, they're working well together. Even if you know the beginning part of the year, the rest of the offense really wasn't working as well. You've got to stick with, um, you know, you, you've got to make tough decisions. And unless that that offense just totally looked from, you know, looked like garbage from top to bottom. I think they stick with Jason Garrett. I really do. So thank you for that question. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked On Giants podcast. But first, no matter what you need for your car or truck, Rock Auto is sure to have it in its extensive online catalog. RockAuto.com offers brand name parts for every make, model, and manufacturer at highly competitive prices. And they ship right to your door. Visit rockauto.com and be sure to write down Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. All right. Welcome back, Giant fans. And again, thank you so much for making the Locked On Giants podcast your first listen of the day. My name is Patricia Trainer. We're doing a Twitter mailbag. Technically, this is more of a mailbag mailbag uh, in that we only had one Twitter question and we had five questions come in via uh, email. If you want to participate in our weekly mailbag, the information is below in the show notes. 
The address is locked on giants podcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet them to me at Patricia underscore trainer and make sure you tag them. Ask P train and tell me that they're for the podcast and not for the giants country mailbag. So this way I place them in the right spot. All right. This next question comes from Ethan. And Ethan wants to know, say you were able to add a specific formation or personnel deployment to the Giants playbook, offense or defense, what would you do? Good question. Wow. Um, Defensively, I know I've spoken about this before. I think I talked about this last week, but for what it's worth, I think I would rearrange a little bit how the safeties are deployed. Uh, Jabril Peppers, they have them, you know, primarily coming down in the box. I think I might play Xavier McKinney closer to the box and maybe swap out some of Peppers' snaps for McKinney. Um, they did make the switch at uh, the slot cornerback. I, I, you know, that was that was just, you know, the handwriting was on the wall there. You've seen less and less of Darnay Holmes and a little bit more of uh, McKinney and Julian Love playing this, the the uh, slot cornerback just until Aaron Robinson is ready to go. He's still on the pop list and he's going to be there for, for at least another week, two weeks, excuse me. He's got to be there through uh, six weeks before he's eligible to come off. So, um, so yeah, that would have been a move I made on defense on offense. One of the things David Turner and I have, have been discussing, and I think we discussed this, not this past Monday, but the Monday before, and the giants actually did a little bit of this too, I might add in the game against New Orleans is we would have um, incorporated more rub routes. And, um, you know, it's kind of hard to explain without actually drawing it, but basically what a rub route is you have a guy kind of rubbing off of another and, you know, so it's almost like a crisscross or, you know, a guy goes this way and a guy might go this way and they kind of, again, rub off of each other and it, it floods the area of a field um, with two or more receivers. Now we kind of saw a little bit of that against New Orleans where what the giants were doing is they were kind of like, for lack of a better term, they were stacking receivers in an area. So they had a guy high and a guy low that was designed to break up the zone coverage. So, you know, in zone coverage, you had a, a defensive back who now all of a sudden has two guys in the zone. Okay. Which one do I cover? And especially if, you know, the other guy, um, you know, in the cover one or cover three, whatever, you know, the, I think the, the Saints played a lot of cover three um, last week. So you have the other guy kind of sitting there. And if he's far off in his zone and can't get over, that allows the receivers to get open. So that would have been a concept that, you know, and I know I got this question before, you know, the Saints game, but interestingly, you know, that those would have been some of the concepts I would have considered for the Giants offense to help scheme things open for the receivers. And we saw, you know, the average separation. And again, I'm going to cite that article I did on Giants Country because the exact numbers are in there. And you can find that article link in the show notes. But the Giants separation, the receipt, the separation by the receivers was probably at its highest that I can remember. It's really impressive. So uh, kudos to Jason Garrett for coming up with that, um, that creativity to help get those receivers open. Okay, let's see. We should have one more question, I believe. And let's see. This one is from this one is from Kevin C, 
who wants to hear my thoughts about the long-term impact on not trading Jabril Peppers and going in this year with too many players at one position. Okay, Kevin, actually, I talked about this too. You know, it's amazing. Uh, I think, matter of fact, when your email came in, it inspired me to kind of write a thought um, at Giants Country when I was doing my my pregame thoughts. But first off, let me just say, it's still not too late for them to trade Peppers if they want to. And I would do it, not just because of the, the fact that they have a lot of guys at safety and, you know, right now, I don't think those guys are in the right spots, but the benefit is B, you know, you're not going to resign Peppers anyway next year. They're just not going to have enough money to do so, even if they wanted to. So why not trade him and get something for him before the trade deadline? Now, I think they have until the beginning of November, I think is when the trade deadline is. So they could, if they wanted to, move him. They could also, if they move him, recoup some of that nearly $7 million in salary cap space that is devoted to him, get some of that money back to carry them through the rest of the year. Now, what the Giants have been doing and I saw this coming, you know, when studying the the cap and how it was shaping up, the Giants have been restructuring guys, which means they're pushing money into the future. Not what you want to see, especially for next year when you have a lot of those contracts that they handed out this year that are low numbers, they're going to jump up significantly next year. And the Giants are going to have a lot of money to do stuff with. So they're going to have to make some cuts. So my feeling is, is look, you know, and I hate to use this term cheap labor because it's not fair, but stock up on draft picks because these are guys that you can get on rookie deals that are generally less expensive than having to spend on veterans. And if it means trading Peppers, who, by the way, I love Peppers. Don't get me wrong. He's a, he, he was voted a co-captain. Um, you know, he, he's a little fire uh, plug there, a spark plug, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of energy. But, you know, this is a business and it's nothing personal, but it's a business. And I absolutely agree with you that uh, if I were the Giants, I would see if I could move him. If he's healthy, that is, of course, now he's got that hamstring strain. So once he's healthy, see if he can move him. I don't think they will move him, though, until... Maybe um, Aaron Robinson comes off pop. That would make the most sense before moving him. And, and the reason for that, again, is Aaron Robinson, you get him up to speed. Now you start working him in at, at the slot cornerback spot. That maybe frees up Julian Love for some snaps. That maybe frees up Xavier McKinney from some snaps. And you just realign how you're allocating snaps and the assignments to the safety. So that's kind of the approach I would take if I were the Giants. All right, Giant fans, that is going to do it for this edition of the Locked on Giants podcast. Make sure you keep here all week. We have plenty more coming up on the uh, program, including Thursday. We have the crossover with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Not sure if it's going to be Marcus or Landon, but hey, both of them are good guys, but still the Dallas Cowboys. So make sure you keep it here. We'll have that show and plenty other things here on the Locked on Giants podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. And be sure to check out our other podcasts, Locked on Bets, Locked on NFL, Locked on Today. We have so many. You are sure to find something that you enjoy. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again soon.